0: Greetings, fellow imps. I'm imp fossil Tom Hensky, and I'd like to welcome you to From Nowhere to Now Here, where incarnate memories prevail. Like many incoming first years, I entered the university a blank canvas. You get it, nowhere. But four years later, I grew to Now Here. And when I look back at that transformation, it was the friendships that I built through the IPS that were a huge part of that growth. But where did everyone end up? I'm going to take us on a journey to find them, to catch up with the friends we've lost touch with. And in doing so, my mission is to rekindle these amazing relationships. Welcome back, If Nation! Guess who I have with us today? Pat Edmonds, what's happening? Hey, Tom, good to see you. Nice to be with you. Good to see you, too. You're in Charlottesville right now, huh?
1: I am, yes. Honored to be able to live in Whoville. It's really, it's just the best. Just the best. Well, Where'd you grow up? So I'm um, from Roanoke. And um, just two hours um, away and um, just so thrilled that I could be back in Charlottesville. Um, I I never imagined when I went to um, UVA that I would get to one day return um, after graduating.
0: Yeah, there's a whole slew of imps that are living in Charlottesville. It's like I call it the we we don't want to grow up crew.
1: It, it it is true. We did make a um a turn into uh, New York City for about twelve years, but um the dream
0: came true, which was to to come back, which was nice. Well, growing up in Roanoke, did you always think yeah UVA is a real uh, real place that I might want to go to, or was it too close to home? What was the thinking about it?
1: It um it, unfortunately it was Virginia really or <laughs> nothing else, and and that was probably. The hard part is worrying about actually being able to get in. Um, it, it, was just, it was just always the dream. And um, so I feel very fortunate that I was able to go. Um, Roanoke is really right next door to Blacksburg. And so, so there were a lot of folks that um, obviously went to tech, but the focus, most of the news and everything was always about tech. So it was kind of the dream to, to make it to Charlottesville.
0: That's funny. So it's like tech is right in your backyard. Were you going to football games and basketball games when you were growing up there, too?
1: I, I mean, I, I am fond of a lot of tech folks, but um, I did not love going to games and things that, in Blacksburg. It was, it was not one of my favorite places to be.
0: Good. That was the right answer. We like that. We're, we don't really <laughs> get that part out. That's awesome. If you said all of a sudden, oh, yeah, I love going there, then we'd have to change it around a little bit. We'd have to take no. that. Out. No,
1: not, not a fan all the time, but um, it's been a challenging week here in Charlottesville. Literally a week ago today at this time, we were still sheltering in place. So I am saying fond words because um, Hokie Nation. Um, Basically, tech has been, you know, Hokies for who's. They've been in an amazing support system this week. So um, I have nothing but the high regards for all of the teams and support that have been throughout the state and around the country,
0: frankly. Yeah, yeah. No, everyone's been amazing, especially tech. They've been uh, just outstanding. So when you were coming to UVA, did you know that you wanted to study one particular thing or were you just happy to get in and you figure it out when you get here?
1: Yes, um, I, I did. Um, I kind of realized or I figured that I always wanted to go into some aspect of, of journalism. And so I was a rhetoric and communications studies major which obviously doesn't exist anymore um, Media Studies is that uh, major now and my daughter our daughter is actually a media studies major uh, she is in her third year and um, and it was interesting because everything kind of built on that for the rest of my the rest of my life my career and what I ended up doing more than anything else. So, um, I would definitely say that my direction came from what I studied at, at UVA for sure.
0: And, uh, any fond memories of particular classes or professors in that major?
1: Um, well, the one thing that really stands out is the professor who, um, Gave me an F plus plus on a paper. I didn't know that there was such a thing, um, and so that's
0: like um, a, that's like an F with love, right? Well, exactly.
1: Um, uh, needless to say, I had to go back in and, and speak with him because I wasn't exactly sure what that meant, and, and there were notes all over the place, so it was obviously um, difficult to discern exactly what it was that I needed to fix. But um, I ended up getting a D minus minus on the next paper. Um, so I was, I guess, showing improvement. And at the, about six weeks in, I said, I, I really don't under, I mean, I thought I was a decent writer. I thought I was in the, the right ilk. I mean, I just didn't have any idea. And um, I said, what, what is it that I need to do better or what is it that I could possibly change? And he, d- he said, gotcha. I I said, excuse me. He said, gotcha. And I said, okay. Um, yeah, you did. And he, he just, um, he just never wanted to give a good grade. He never wanted, he kind of always wanted someone to be, (laughs) I would say suffering. (laughs) I said, gotcha is not okay. Um, but, but anyway, it was, um, that was one of the more memorable classes just because I, um, Never felt so intimidated about anything, but um, proved to keep me on guard, on edge. Um, so, you know, this too shall pass is what I kept
0: saying. So so his gig was just basically knock you down so you work harder and care more? Is that kind of, I, yeah? That's what,
1: that was my takeaway. I don't know exactly what else I learned from that, but yeah. <laughs> that was definitely my takeaway
0: yeah that wouldn't that wouldn't fly nowadays that like I
1: know I don't think so no, no. not at all
0: uh, okay cool so then um tell me about your first year did I see that you were in Bonnie Castle dorm is that right
1: I was um my husband and I were both in Bonnie Castle we met the very we met move in weekend frankly and um we're pretty much except for a couple blips along the way um we're pretty much together From then on, and um, he is uh, a triple who. Um, So, I went to graduate school elsewhere, um, and he went to law school and business school at UVA Darden. And um, so, then we moved to New York City after that. So, yes, I would say everything began in Bonny Castle, (laughs) which um, you know, not only did I meet him, uh, but truly the best friends of a lifetime were from this special place. So, um, not just Bonnie Castle, but, um, <laughs> the university of Virginia for sure.
0: You mentioned earlier that your daughter, um, is there now. Is she, um, she, you said she's a third year. Did I hear that right?
1: She is a third year. Yes. And, um, and loves the place though. She began, um, in a not so wonderful fall uh, of 2020 so um, it it was hard it was hard for everybody i mean i i, I would say the university w- struggled with how to handle things no one no one knew how to handle covid in a uh, college setting really um, and i and she understandably said to me in the spring of 2021 when from basically her entire first year you know there were limitations on numbers. Uh, whether it, one time was six, one time it was ten people max. There were a couple of occasions where it was two. Um, and and about March or April of 2021, I guess it was March. She said, "I'm sorry, Mom. I just don't love this place like you did." And I said, "It's not. It's not the same place that I went to. It. I mean, COVID hasn't en- enabled." Anything to be the same, so uh, I completely understand. And as the world started to open in the late March, beginning of April, and some of those group limitations were no longer in place, she, she said, "Now I get it. I get it. You know, just the the being able to interact with people and the the wonderful people that is this community. Um, you know, I can't imagine not having had a." first year like I had. So um, she's definitely made up for it. <laughs> and <laughs> and, um, and I would say I am envious of her media studies major, um, because I think it's that much more, um, uh, that much broader than anything we could have possibly studied in the good old rhetoric and communications major. So um, she's making up for it, I think.
0: That's good. That's awesome to hear. Cause I, I know that my wife said the same thing when my son, my son's there now, she said her biggest fear was that he wasn't going to love it. And that how that would like drain me. Right. right. Exactly. I mean,
1: yeah. I, I uh, tears and tears. I thought, Oh no, this is just, and especially because I had convinced her, um, we have three children and the oldest, um, went somewhere else to school. And so this second daughter, uh, going, choosing to go to the university while we live in Charlottesville, I thought was going to be also a potential deal breaker that she wouldn't, she wouldn't enjoy it because we were so close and she knew that there was, there was not going to be any keeping us away. (laughs) You know, we were going to be at every game, for every sport that we could be. So um, she would probably see a lot of us even if she tried to avoid us. Right. But um but it turns out that it's not so bad.
0: So okay, so you started at Bonnie Castle, you met your lifelong partner there and never looked back. That's amazing. What else were you doing besides the imps?
1: Um so I was um, I was associated member of the um, Theta, Cap uh, Alpha Theta sorority, and um, fond of um, that group. And uh, I got involved in the Inner Sorority Council as a representative from Theta and ended up um, being president of ISC. And um, I think that that is probably how I was so able to meet so many other heads of different organizations and be involved in that way. And so for me, that was truly um, one of the greatest honors was to be able to interact with so many different groups um, and 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 somehow, you know, be at summer meetings and gatherings with the head of Judish or that. I mean, it, it was just tremendous um, and so I think of that as being the ultimate honor to be, be have have been elected to that um, to serve in that capacity, and um, and then to interact with so many others. So it was pretty time consuming because um, it, it, interacting with the interfraternity council and the interfraternity council president, we were obviously always on our toes.
0: That's funny, because I was just going to ask you, when you got into that leadership spot, did that crimp your style at all of being mischievous? <laughs> um,
1: I must admit, it did give me pause. Um, I did have the occasion to worry that, um, that, because then you also were so interacting with um, so many other, uh, interacting with a variety of different um, organizations, but obviously school Leaders, um, you, know, you were regularly talking to student affairs. You were regularly talking to a variety of different, um, of, you know, members of the school administration, and so you um, you definitely you you definitely tread lightly. <laughs> I mean, it was it, it definitely was a concern.
0: And I bet you get all the drama that's happening around the university when you're in that spot because it, it comes to you in that that group. Uh, any drama that you remember that was going on during that time? Well,
1: um, I was not um, the I was not the head of ISC at, at the time, but Operation Equinox happened um, just. A year before, so um, obviously there was, uh, you know, all eyes kind of on what was happening in the Greek system as a whole. Um, that was President Bush's, um, you know, effort to be close to the war on drugs. I mean, and this was one of the mo- more visible campuses where that could happen. Um, and so, unfortunately, um, that was an investigation that brought as yet again on the university and it was i mean it was obviously kind of frightening but um then obviously gave us concern down the road that you know everybody had to tighten up you know tighten up ship here because um all eyes were on us and and i just feel like that's the the nature of um being the university of virginia um it is an amazing, amazing place. And so there are going to be those occasions where all eyes are going to be on us.
0: And then what happened with the imps? Tell me about that story.
1: So I, um, I, never, in, I, mean, I never in my wildest dreams would have ever imagined that I would be tapped. It just didn't seem like my, my dad was a Zoomer. And um, <laughs> and at the time, I mean, he was a 67 graduate um, and obviously it was all men and all of his friends were the heads of all of the organizations. Um, so he, um, you know, Ed Carrington, who was the captain of the football team, head of uh, honor, somebody was head of Judish. Um, someone was, the, he was the head of Corks and Curls. I mean, it's was just every single um, organization they were associated with or, and everybody lived on the lawn. I mean, it was just that size of of a school really. And um, so it to me made sense that a lot of them were imps and a lot of them were Z's. They just seemed to be um, kind of everybody had their place. And um, to me, it just was inconceivable that I could be the caliber of an imp, I mean, you know, with some of your podcasts, I mean, you have talked to Anthony Poindexter and and um, John Praddy, and I mean, all these tremendous athletes and um, and heads of business and all, the, and so to to think that I could be on the same same organ in the same organization at the time was incredible, and um, and even to me today is um, pretty. Amazing and and humbling to say the least, but um, the whole, because I had no concept that it could be something that I could be associated with, um, I was completely bamboozled. Um, Sam Farnham, um, it it was um, Mike Smith, Sam Farnham. They called me to Sam's uh, lawn room And my brother, my younger brother, was two years behind me in school. And they suggested they needed to see me because they needed to talk to me about my brother. And I was a little bit concerned, needless to say. And so I went racing over there. And they... they said that he was going on, that he was under investigation, um, for possession or something horrific. And, and I, I mean, I immediately, I was, I, I, was just beside myself because I said, first of all, my brother would no more do something like that. And, and that's it, it, just not who he is. It's not him. I, I was in total disbelief. And then I started t- to cry <laughs> and I think they went oh okay all right maybe we've gone just a little bit too far <laughs> because I was sobbing I'm like please tell me this isn't so it can't be so and finally they said you know they asked me if I and I thought now I was so mad that <laughs> they were like we're, we're all going to the college inn. I was like I'm not going with you guys I mean I love you and all but thanks but Anyway, obviously, I did come around, but I think that that was a heart racing, the likes of which I still can't today remember. I mean, because it was it was terrifying, and then it was so exciting that it was, you know, I'm like blood pressure issues and
0: <laughs> things like that you, I can't you, imagine. You get back to your apartment and you're like, "What just happened there?" That is the That's, odd thing, right? <laughs>
1: That is exactly right. It is very true. <laughs> and and it, you know, it's it was in the middle. I mean, it was late. I mean, so I, I late by um, you know, I want to say it was a Sunday what a Sunday night at 10, 10 30. So yeah. no one in my, you know, I actually was living in a house off grounds, you know, it, so for me to go kind of running out the door. At 10 30 on a Sunday night seemed odd to all of my roommates. So so, um, to to come back and they have asked, you know, wondering where I was. Oh, nowhere.
0: (laughs) Just went for a walk. Just exactly. (laughs) An emergency walk. (laughs) I just wanted to go sit on the steps of the rotunda and just take it all in. Yeah, that's it. Nothing more than that. (laughs)
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I'm but I must admit, the heading to the college inn, you know, the college inn is no longer there. It is a Chipotle. So um it's it, it was kind of um nostalgic to see that go because it's not as if I ate at the college Inn <laughs> very <laughs> often, but it's what I remember so fondly that night.
0: And then what do you remember about your relationships with the other imps or things that you did or marches?
1: Well so I um <laughs> I do remember um that uh, the night that I was tapped um, having uh, had probably, uh, I'd, I'd definitely been over-served. And, um, and, and my um, one of my roommates got particularly upset with John Crotty as if it was his fault. And, and she took him to task about um, how is it that she could be such a mess and it's like, I had nothing to do with this. <laughs> you know. This was all about um, the whole occasion. Um, and it, I, I mean, it was pretty funny because he was, he still is such a super nice guy that um, to have my roommate really attack him was probably unfair. But uh, I, I remember that more than the rest of the evening. Um, but it was, it, it still was the highlight because everybody had ended up at the hall and um, and probably because of John Crotty, so um, that's why it was. I guess that's why she probably went after him. But it was it was a wonderful night. I I'm so I feel so um, fortunate to that we have social media and different platforms that we can really stay in touch with one another uh, because Sin Mathis Howard now. Um, uh, they're just some so many people that we wouldn't normally be able to see and we can kind of keep up with um, and remember so fondly uh, just because we can really see what they're up to on Instagram or um, you know I, I try to avoid Facebook these days as much as possible so that I don't feel hundred and fifty but um, <laughs> but it's it's nice to still see faces and and um, know what their families are up to and and, and those platforms have enabled that which is so nice
0: great any um, other stories even if it's non imp that I should be asking you about well now I um,
1: I was just saying my uh, my husband and I moved up after he uh, graduated moved to up um, <laughs> to New York City in um, uh, 96 1996 and were in New York for about 12 years, but we were obviously here on 9-11 and uh, in New York City, um, sorry. And my daughter, our uh, oldest daughter was um, diagnosed with type one diabetes just weeks, um, days really after um, 9-11. So, uh, it kind of was the transformative time in, I would say, both of our lives, my husband and, and our lives. It changed the direction of what I was doing. Um, certainly, it became all about being involved in JDRF, uh, which at one time was known as the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. But for those that don't know about type 1 diabetes, it's an autoimmune disease, and now more adults are being diagnosed with type one and juveniles. So we've tried to rebrand the organi- organization as JDRF um, so that those, though there are more that at the time were uh, adolescents, they are definitely much older um, individuals being diagnosed. But it was literally as she was in the uh, Pick you the Pediatric Intensive Care Unit. And there were those at our church that would minister to those that were on the scene at ground zero and still the recovery effort. And then they would travel up to kind of be um, to visit us and be at our bedside. And I and I mentioned this because, um, you know, I then I vowed pretty much right then and there that this would be my mission. And my mission would be to help um, find a cure. And in the meantime, um, fundraising and, um, and advocating and literally going to advocate uh, for the mission um, on Capitol Hill became my life's work. And so I um, certainly parlayed that into a lot of things in Charlottesville as far as nonprofit work. But um the technology, the technological advances that have come with um, the research and the, and the fundraising um, has been really tremendous. And just this past um, week, just Friday, um, word came down from the FDA that um, really the first drug ever, um, it's teplizumab, And it's the first drug ever that um, will offset the diagnosis by um, three years. So, if you have um, markers, the antibodies uh, for type 1 diabetes, um, this drug would enable you to have three more years before the onset. So, you know, three more years and an amazing, maybe even more technological breakthroughs, maybe three more years for yet another um, vaccine sort of development. Um, so there may not be a biological cure, um, but we may eventually one day eradicate it. Um, and and I think that's always been my dream. So when I say we came to New York, I was doing um, movie and event promotion. and And I realized that after this diagnosis that, I have parlayed marketing and movie and event promotion and just kind of event promotion to really um, this mission and this effort um, to fundraise and um, raise money for research uh,
0: to find a cure. I don't know if you'd mind talking about it, but can you talk about it on the day-to-day when it happens in your house? Because I know you're you're doing it from a foundation standpoint, but can you just take us through when you from when you find out to what life is like? And can well, you just, can you
1: well yes, exactly. Exactly. I'm sorry. Um, I uh, the it was there was obviously uh, so many signs that and symptoms and signs that we did not recognize um, excessive thirst. Um, uh, obviously, excessive urination, your, your body's trying to rid itself of excess uh, sugar, excess glucose. So it will happen, it will manifest itself in maybe um, throwing up if you are a young child. Um, just any way that the body is um, just hoping that it's going to rid itself of this excess sugar. Um, so we thought that because she was two at the time, Um, we thought that, you know, all of a sudden she's wetting the bed again. Um, but, but is this because she's seeing her parents are, are obsessed with the news because of nine 11. I mean, you never know what a two year old is absorbing and, and, and what kind of trauma or how that trauma is manifesting itself. So I just kind of cast off all of these symptoms and, um, and a really, weight loss, you know, and I thought, oh my gosh, she's now a toddler that's running around like crazy. So, needless to say, that baby fat is melting away. Um, all these things I just excused because there was no instance of type 1 diabetes in my family. I had never really even heard about it, um, heard about what it was. And I, I called her pediatrician and I said, I'm just sorry, but to bother you, I, this seems like such a weird ask, but I feel like my daughter is obsessed with her sippy cup. I can't get it out of her hand. And I, um, I'm just worried about how that's going to, you know, why she's drinking so much. And frankly, in the middle of the night in her, and the pediatrician said, um, I need to see you in less than five minutes. (laughs) And I said, Oh, okay. Uh, and she had actually diagnosed her over the phone, which was a blessing because more often than not that does not happen um, You know somebody says it's a stomach virus or somebody, and they send a child home and um and that is when there is the um, the potential of really deadly consequences um d k a and all these horrible other um complications but um I remember her, the pediatrician, when we asked if she was going to be okay, um, because we just didn't know what this diagnosis meant. If she was going to be okay, and they said, uh, or this doctor said, she's going to be fine, but her life will be less carefree. And, and it's just because um, of the day-to-day, as you were asking me about, and I'm sorry, in a convoluted answer, uh, but the day-to-day is um, a lot of calculations. And um, she, you know, she used to have to prick her finger 10 to 15 times a day. And, um, And she used to have to give herself insulin injections. And today, everything is on an insulin pump and it's really almost a closed loop system where it talks to a wireless device and you can actually give insulin um, by dialing it up on your phone. So it's a, it's, the advances are tremendous and, um, and I'm grateful for those because it has made everyone who, has, who is living with type one diabetes, it's, um, it's made their lives a little more manageable and for parents or loved ones, siblings that, that, that live and know someone with type one, you're constantly worried about them. So to have some of these technologies that I too, if my daughter would allow me, she is now 23. So she has asked that i not, but they still, I still have all of my family on life 360. But um, in that sort of way, I could actually follow her. On her um, Dexcom, and 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 actually see where her numbers are on my phone. Um, I she has asked me not to stalk her that way, so um, I have agreed. But one of my favorite tennis players, uh, J.C. Aragone from the University of Virginia, he is a spokesperson for um, Dexcom. We used to watch him play play tennis every chance we could. His parents were in. California. And so we were kind of the boots on the ground, you know, making sure that he was okay during a match. And he would look up at us in the stands and reattach his insulin pump and let us know that he was okay. But it's been because of those advances that um, I think that living with the disease is at least somewhat more manageable. It's, it's still a never 24 seven, no time off sort of um disease and there are those that that have a, a real challenge even with the technology. So um, thank you for asking and I'm sorry that.
0: No, <laughs> that no, going I'm on. gonna, no, let me thank you. I mean, that was you went, I really appreciate you sharing that. And I think that's good for people to hear because the reason I was asking is I just don't know. Right. So uh, it's, it's like great to hear in a way, Because, you know, like, obviously, you know, you worry about your friends and family who are going through this, but it's good to know. And by the way, you know, who knows? Maybe there's someone who's listening to this and they say, wow, I didn't really recognize that either. Maybe I need to do a double check here. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being so open and honest.
1: Well, and um, red shirt, red shirt freshman, I mean, honestly, first year, Isaac Trout is also a Dexcom. And for the basketball team obviously yeah. <laughs> um but is also um, a dexcom spokesperson um so he actually we had direct messaged one another on um because I said just you know just for your family's sake you know there are boots on the ground here in Charlottesville that that will have your back if you need it so um it's it's been um this community is a really tight-knit one too um not unlike the imps so um you know, everyone really does reach out to one another and and support one another, and um, and that's a good thing.
0: So let me shift gears for a second and take a step back. How did you wind up going up to New York City? What was the story there?
1: So um, it, we went. It was basically with um, Frank's job. Um, my husband had worked um, at Lehman Brothers the summer before we were married and the summer before his last year. And uh, so, and that was in 95, he graduated, and we got married in November, 95, and he graduated in uh, 96 and we drove up soon thereafter. Uh, this tiny, you know, tiny hovel of an apartment, of course. Uh, but it was different than all of our friends, you know, coming up as a married couple, was immediately then different than all of our friends who were living in, in the village and in Chelsea. And, and um, so it was a different experience to begin with, but we certainly got to um, enjoy some of going out with those that were living single labs in, in New York, but um, definitely coming up as a married couple was different. And then all three of our children were born in New York and and so it was a really great experience and I really didn't want to leave. Um, so I made it very hard on Frank because if we were going to leave, uh, I didn't want to move to the suburbs. And I kind of basically said, well, the only place I'd really be willing to move is Charlottesville. And, um, and that that said, well, great. I mean, he said, that's just lovely because I don't know what you expect me to do in Charlottesville. Um, and, and, you know, I, what I was doing, I could do anywhere um, because I was working as, um, on the board for JDRF and, and doing that kind of work as chair of Children's Congress, which is um, an advocacy network um, where we really did go testify in front of Congress. And so, I mean, there wasn't Zoom at the time, Uh, but there were conference calls and so I could conference call all day long and from anywhere. So, um, so he, uh, opened an office in Charlottesville. So luckily was able to then give us the opportunity to move back to Charlottesville, which, um, (laughs) I mean, most people, including Frank would tell you that was a very high maintenance thing of me to (laughs) try and make happen. But, um, I'm certainly, I know we're all happy and grateful that we were able to move back to Charlottesville. So
0: so great. So you had all three kids in New York City, huh?
1: Yes, yes. And it was the third and the son that was kind of time to punch out. Right. (laughs) I mean, the the girls were um, easier to say, you know, let's not jump on the floor. Don't be loud to the apartment below. But um, we knew that that our son Spicer was going to have a harder time kind of <laughs> keeping that in tow. So, you know, we just had to, we had to say, yeah, I think it's probably time to head on out.
0: And, and what was your first job before the kids were born?
1: So um, I worked at um, in movie and event promotion at um, viewers choice. So at the time um, that was the in demand um, pay-per-view sort of business. And, at, you know, it's been amazing through the years how every um, organization uh, seemed to to be condensed and everyone was buying one another. And so cable TV became obviously a very a different platform. But I can remember, you know, some of the top markets um, writing so many scripts for, the fact that Cable Guy was going to be released. And so what we were going to do was this amazing giveaway with flat screen TVs for the top 10 markets or something. And the flat screen TV at the time was $14,000, 15000 a piece. So it was a really big, big sweepstakes sort of item. But I mean, I think about that as being such a big deal Thinking back to how expensive that was. Oh no, and- I
0: know, no, no, no. I know that because we just last week threw ours away from the first one we had and my wife swears that I kept it that long because uh, I had to basically <laughs> go poor and destitute to buy it and I just didn't feel like I could ever let it go even though it was like terrible. It was awful, Like, but I just could not let it go. I know it, I know it
1: well and then i and then i had one put in which i think is so ridiculous i had i gave one to my husband that i mean it, it to me it looks like a, a movie theater it's so stinking big but um <laughs> but it's so reasonably cheap i mean compared to what these were that and they were tiny i mean these weren't i mean, to have that price i mean that cost and and to be as small as they were, <laughs> was so ridiculous. And, and, you know, in comparison to what is so ginormous now. I, and remember, a
0: pism- I remember that, I like, I joined some club. I don't know if it was Price Club or whatever it was. <laughs> just so i could buy the tv because i knew i would get it at a significant discount so i jumped through all these hoops to join this club to buy it yeah i remember that exactly yeah and now you look back at it and i thought it was big and i thought it was high quality and now i look (laughs) the only thing big about it was the monstrosity of the size not the screen itself but the whole unit
1: depth the depth of the thing (laughs) it's ridiculous and and we were i mean we had two—I mean, not even two nickels to rub together. So, so that that the ginormous. I mean, we didn't have. We certainly didn't have a flat screen. We had the TV that was three feet deep, still in the back that <laughs> that Frank refused to get rid of. I mean, because he wasn't going to pay for it as long as it was working. It, it's it was a TV. So, um, yeah, all those. All those changes have been pre- and, and I'm dating myself so <laughs> significantly, but anyway, it was. Um, but yeah, that's that was kind of what I remember a lot about the the work and the job was um, some of those voiceovers and some of those promotions. And um, I did go to the National Association of Broadcasters (NAB). I can't even remember the the actual title, but. Um, because wrestling was such a big pay-per-view. You know, at the time it had been the Judd's final concert. Um, That was huge, but it was really wrestling that made so much money. And um, so I got to meet these wrestlers that would be introduced. (laughs) Well, at the time, um, what is the the, oh, goodness, I'm not going to remember his name that was the uh, um, Undertaker. Uh, was oh, yeah, that?
0: the Undertaker, Andre the Giant, Ray the Cripper. Uh, on, yes. Come on. Yes. The so they would, they
1: would always come, come out. Why Fly Snooker? Yeah. It <laughs> <laughs> would all be, we'd be standing around at, like, cocktails in this ballroom, and then all of a sudden, lights and smoke and all this thing, and this huge, ginormous, individual would come out and introduce and and I I was just dumbfounded because I couldn't believe that these people were such rock stars but um, they kind of were and so it was interesting to have the occasion because there was so many it was movies and events there were so many of those occasions to to meet some of the, the likes of the undertaker <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I miss my calling. If, like, if UVA had a major of WWF wrestling, I definitely would have taken that. I think that I totally <laughs> missed my calling. Because I, I live in Connecticut, and when you drive right up on 95, that's the main uh, headquarters right, right there. Right,
1: right, right. Yes, yeah. and part of the reason, yes, we were we were frequently in Stanford. You know, that's, I guess, where that, that headquarters. Uh-huh. Yes, so we went to visit a little bit. <laughs>
0: Okay, so now tell me, what, uh, where are the kids now? What are they doing? Give me the summary.
1: So um, the oldest, and I think it's careful what you wish for, the oldest is working in New York City. <laughs> the um, middle daughter who is uh, third year at UVA, she has um, been working in New York City as far as um, internships over the summer. And I think she looks... Forward to an opportunity to to return as well, and our son is a junior in high school, so we have the the future applications to look forward to.
0: Oh yeah, that's a joy. You'll be glad to be past that. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Cool. And you said Frank's working in the uh, in now too. What's he doing?
1: He is. he um, he, kind of dabbles in a, in a great deal of things, primarily because he was in investment management for um, so long and is back and forth to New York City quite a bit. I think that's um, part of the, the deal when you move to Charlottesville is that you've probably got to go back and forth to um, visit those that you've worked with or continue to work with. Um, Pretty frequently, so that is why he is. I would say that's why he has us in Charles. We are so fortunate to be in Charlottesville because he still has that connection as well. So, yes, the back and forth is, has been pretty significant through the years.
0: So, so tell me, what's your words of wisdom for the current imps if they were listening to this? Well,
1: I um, I think that. It's pretty, it's pretty exciting. Um, it's, it's an exciting time, but I would say to stay connected. Um, I think it becomes challenging um, over the years and as many years as it has been since uh, I have been in school. Um, but to stay in touch, um, we have a very dear friends that Frank worked with. His son, Connor uh, Kelly, uh, graduated, was an imp and graduated in 2017. And so many of them uh, decided to get together and have a Zoom. Um, it, quarantine and the lockdown it was not my friend. And my family will tell you that, that I was not cut out for it. And I was game for any potential cocktail Zoom imaginable, just to have some of that... <laughs> interaction that con you know just that contact of human human interaction in any way shape or form and um Connor and some others decided that they would do an imp zoom and invited fossils as far as I was concerned they were inviting if I if I received word about it then it was obviously going to be a pretty you know pretty can they cast it a big net let's say <laughs> and yet I showed up and it was predominantly those that were around Connor's class and and age group. And again, that was 2017. So my family, when they heard I was signing on and they heard the, the background of the group that was on, I mean, they were behind me going, get off of there right now. This is hideous. You were too old to be interacting with, with any of them. And I said, Oh, that's okay. That's, that's what the imps are about—is fossils and, and the return and that connection. And, and Frank said, "No, you are old. You are too old. Get off of that Zoom." So I did um, say goodbye pretty quickly. But um, you know, I think that's one thing that I have loved about the the imps, and when there is um, you know the dinner, the um, the dinner in Charlottesville, you know, it's not embarrassing. To return. Um, I, I don't spend a great deal of time doing that just because I do feel old, but it's a very lovely invitation. Um, I do remember the Dirty Joke Banquet and um, so fondly because, as you probably can tell from the interaction, I'm not a wonderful storyteller. <laughs> not a wonderful storyteller. And goodness knows I'm not a very good joke teller. So I, I mean, I worried, I stewed, I panicked about the joke that I was going to tell at the Dirty Joke Banquet, which by the way is, you know, was the restaurant on Pantox, you know, and now uh, I don't even think it's a restaurant anymore. Um, I think it's another car dealership, <laughs> but um, it's like Free Bridge Auto or something now, but that's where we would go for the Dirty Joke Banquet. And, and I found this joke. That I thought was so great. I think I practiced it about a thousand times just so that there was no question that when it came time to actually delivering it, I could pull it off. And it was the one and only time I think I've ever told a joke that was funny. (laughs) I can't even remember the joke, but I remember it getting a lot of laughs and I remember actually being able to deliver it. So um, I don't even know if they still have dirty joke banquets
0: anymore. I think they do. I think they do. I don't know, but I think they do. Well, I don't know. Let me find out. I'll talk. I something. know.
1: I, I okay. just always, I, I remember that so fondly. And especially my uh, mother-in-law lives at Westminster Canterbury, which is at the very top, you know, and um, an assisted living facility at the very top of pantops. And so every time I drive out there or go to pantops in general, I think of the dirty joke banquet. So um, I, 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 I miss that sort of interaction for sure.
0: Yeah, but you don't miss bodos because you're living in Charlottesville. Do you go?
1: I you know what? I had <laughs> bodos. You would think you would tire of bodos. You would you would think for one second that you would tire of it. I had to um, put a moratorium on bodos because it was an every Sunday thing. It was an every it was an all-time everything. And and I I mean, I feel like it, it, it was just the, maybe it was just gluten in general, but I, I felt like I just blew up like a deer tick because of the amount of photos I was eating. So I did um, the sausage and egg. I will, I will go order sausage and egg and Swiss sometimes on everything. Um, and then try and take the bagel off just to rationalize not having as much bagel, but, but I still end up eating at least half of it. I was um, gonna
0: say, I bet a little creeps <laughs> in there. Come on, Pam, Be, don't come in and out of violation by lineals that you don't. I know. Pay. Come on. I come know.
1: On. <laughs> no, I think um, the other that was my absolute favorite, other than the sausage egg. I've never had sausage like they serve at photos. I mean, the bagels are tremendous, but for some reason, that sausage is just the best I've ever had anywhere. So that seems to be a bit of an obsession, but, um, it wasn't until, uh, President Ryan, um, Jim Ryan was being interviewed, um, at the Paramount Theater and, um, they kind of did this. It was so amazing. Um, Mark Lorenzoni, um, interviewed him on the stage and, he laced up his running shoes and literally was taking laps around the stage uh, with questions about, you know, family and just, but they were fire, fire questions. And his, one of them obviously was what is your Bodo's of choice or what would you eat at Bodo's? And <laughs> he said, um, chicken salad, let us see, chicken salad on everything. And, and then he said, wait for it, with horseradish. And, and the whole audience just gasped. And he said, don't knock it till you try it. And so I literally, the next day, went to photos to try the chicken salad, which they say is actually turkey. Did you know that? I, don't, I mean, that's, wow. it's Good. in fine print on the board. But anyway, I went to have a um, chicken salad um, on everything with horseradish. And from then on, I was done. I was sold. So <laughs> I, I learned that trick from President
0: Ryan. Oh, he's a thinker. There you go. He's ahead <laughs> of the curve. <laughs> well, I can't believe our time is already up. Boy, this flew. My goodness. This was great. Pam. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being on. Thanks for sharing all the memories, but also everything that you're going on with personally. And the, the uh, mission that you have, and that's great. And maybe we'll put some of the information in the show notes so people can get not only a hold of you, but a hold of the organization. How does that sound?
1: That sounds great. This was truly an honor. Thank you so much.
0: All right, Imp Nation, have a great holiday and we'll speak to you soon. Take care. Hi there, Tom here. Before I let you go, I want to tell you about my other podcast, Total Sense. As you may know, after my time as an imp, I went on to become a financial advisor. Okay, stop laughing. Don't act so surprised. In each episode, I share advice to parents about how to talk to kids about money. As a parent, I know how difficult that money conversation can be, so I hope you'll listen and find it helpful. It's Total Sense C-E-N-T-S, as in money, available anywhere you get your podcasts.